Good morning. Good to see you, church family. Well, you know, asking a great question is really an art. Have you ever noticed that a well-framed question, really, it has the power to create connection and spark conversation. You can uh, discover all kinds of new things. Now, uh, professionally, I have the the joy of sitting on a few different boards uh, for different organizations, even a couple of other churches that I serve alongside, and of course, our own board here as well. And I've noticed through all the different kinds of board meetings, and maybe you've had experiences as well, an insightful question can change everything, right? It's really wonderful when someone can ask a really great question. In fact, I think that some of the sharpest leaders that I have ever worked with are those who know how to ask the right kinds of questions. It's really a powerful thing. And I found that uh, sometimes in board meetings when we're sitting around the table and, and maybe it's a really high stakes conversation and it's really critical when you ask the right question at the right moment. Yet I've also learned that perhaps more daunting than sitting around a board table is trying to figure out the right kind of question to ask around the dining room table with my kids. (laughs) This is key. Now, Dan and I sit for dinner with our kids every evening, and we have these four wonderful kids, and we're wondering about their day at school. And it's an art to ask the right question to get more than a one-word answer, isn't it, right? How was school today? Fine. What did you do? Nothing. Did anything interesting happen? No. What did you eat? Food. (laughs) What did you learn? Stuff, right? How is it that we can get more information out of these curious human beings, right? Asking the right kind of question is everything. A better question gets a better response. One of our favorite questions around the dinner table is one that a friend suggested to us, and she uses it with her kids. And the question is this, what was a high, low, or weird thing that happened at school today? (laughs) That has sparked some great conversation. It's been one of our favorites. And, uh, you know, a really great question has to be something that, that sparks some interesting conversation and is something that you can't just answer in one word. I'm sure you've discovered that in your own life as well. I remember one time I was at uh, an event and I was uh, uh, at a table, a round table for dinner with a group of people. No one really knew each other. You ever been in those kinds of situations and this conversation is a little bit stiff. And then the person who was hosting the table said, okay, we're going to go around the table and I want everyone to share what was your favorite fast food restaurant growing up and why? And I'm telling you, I I thought that's kind of a weird question, but within about five minutes, we were laughing and telling stories and relating to one another, and it changed the whole dynamic around the table. A really great question can change the dynamic. Jesus asked great questions, and I believe that Jesus has a question for you today. 
Today, we're beginning a new series called Encounters with Jesus. We're entering into this season of Lent, this 40-day journey towards Easter. It's a time for us to fix our eyes on Jesus, and we'll be opening the Gospels to see some of these encounters with Jesus and perhaps have encounters with Jesus in our own lives as well. And today, we're going to begin in the Gospel of John. Now, just a quick reminder for you that when we turn to the Old Testament, we have four different Gospels, four different accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. And uh, if you've ever uh, compared how these four Gospels begin, it's a very different approach from each of the Gospels. Uh, Matthew begins with the birth story of Jesus and outlining the genealogy of Jesus. Mark seems to be in a hurry, and he jumps right in, kind of skips over most of the birth stuff, goes straight to the adult ministry of Jesus. Luke, on the other hand, goes to a birth narrative. In fact, Luke is where we find the text that we most often read at Christmas time, that Christmas story. But when we turn to John, where we will be today, uh, we discover that he opens with this declaration of good news. And it's really this theological announcement of who God is and what he is doing at this precise moment. One of my favorite statements uh, near the beginning of John's opening, uh, John 1, 14, in the message it says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) He sets the stage for us. God is here. He is on the scene. So as we read the gospel of John, we find ourselves leaning in with curiosity. God has arrived. The word is here. What is this going to be? Uh, Just after this section, we meet John the Baptist, uh, this incredibly curious figure who's preparing the way for Jesus, and he's putting people on notice. Be on the lookout. God is here. A few verses later, Jesus, the one described as the word made flesh, is on the scene. And so today, as we look in the Gospel of John, we're in chapter 1. I'd like for you to notice the first words of Jesus that John records in his gospel. So let's take a look. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Let's pause here for a moment. I think there's nothing happenstance about the fact that these are the opening words of Jesus that John chooses in his gospel to introduce us to Jesus. What do you want? John, in his very carefully crafted theological account, begins with these words of Jesus. And as we know, as we study the life and ministry of Jesus, we know he asks great questions. Routinely, in people's encounters with him, he would ask questions that that bypass the surface and cut straight to the heart. He asks questions that help people get in touch with their desires and name them. In his presence. 
This is not the only place where Jesus asked questions like that. Other places and other people, he asked that same question, what do you want? Or sometimes, what do you want me to do for you? What a question. Can you imagine? Can you imagine standing there and having Jesus ask you that question? What would you say? What do you want? Does that feel hard to answer? Does it feel complicated to answer that question? It does for me. The truth is, depending on the day, right, we want different kinds of things. We want more sleep. We want financial security, maybe a break from the laundry and the dishes. We want war to cease. We want a promotion. We want a piece of chocolate cake, right? (laughs) I love that. What do we want? It depends on the day. We want peace and hope and assurance and grace. It can feel surprising to us that such a simple question from Jesus stirs what can feel like a very complicated answer. So how did these men answer Jesus? Let's continue. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Does that seem like an odd response to you? Of all the ways that you can imagine answering that question of Jesus, I'm guessing where are you staying is not on the list of your potential responses to Jesus' question in a moment like that. So often as I've read this gospel, I've, I've uh, pondered this moment and thought, what in the world is going on here? This seems like maybe even a wasted response. Do they realize who Jesus is and what he has just asked them? Why is this their response? Well, when we read the scripture, we need to know the lens through which we read. As I read the scripture, I read with the mindset of a 21st century white person in the United States of America. But to read this story in the context of the world and culture when Jesus walked the earth through Middle Eastern eyes, it changes the understanding of this dynamic. First of all, they call him rabbi. Notice that in the text. That's important. That's very important. And that tips us off immediately. They do understand the significance of who Jesus is. So then why do they ask this particular question? Where are you staying? Well, asking a rabbi that question is significant, but some background information might be helpful for us today. Let's think a little bit about the teaching of a rabbi. Now, when, uh, when Jewish children are young, age four or five, they begin going to school, kind of an elementary school experience, Beth Sever, it's called. The teaching focuses on the Torah, and they're uh, reading and writing the scripture. In fact, uh, by the time they're finished with this early education, they've memorized huge portions of the scripture. This is the the early Jewish education that that, uh, all children would go through. Now, by the time they finish this, most students then, and certainly the girls, would then stay home to help with the family and Uh, And in the case of the boys, to learn a family trade. 
But there are some, the best students, who will continue their study, usually while they're learning a trade at the same time. But this is called Beth Midrash. This is secondary school, also taught by a rabbi in the community. Now, hang with me as we, as we talk about this. Uh, while they're going through this secondary school, they're uh, growing in their understanding of the Torah and then also the prophets and the writings. Uh, they're beginning to learn about interpretation and application. After this secondary school, a few, a very few of the most outstanding students will seek permission to study with a famous rabbi. And they will leave their homes and go and travel with him for a lengthy period of time. A student was called a Talmud in Hebrew, Talmud, which is translated disciple. And it's fair to say that, that to be a Talmud was something very special, nothing ordinary about that. And the vast majority of people did not qualify for this. They were not able to make the cut. To be a Talmud was truly extraordinary. And there's much more to this than what we would call a student. We think about what it is to be a student, someone who wants to know what the teacher knows and complete the class or even the, deg the degree. But someone who is a Talmud is seeking to become like the teacher, to become what the teacher is. You see, for someone who's who's walking with a rabbi like this, it's, it's not just trying to know what the rabbi knows, but it's to be consumed every moment of the day to become like the rabbi. So to be a Talmud means to follow in the steps of the rabbi, to know him in his daily life. It was this intense personal investment, not just to gain head knowledge, but it was this learning to imitate the rabbi and to become like him. It would be with the, with the personal transformation that would happen in them to, to then be able to do the same for their own Talmud along the way. You see, this day on the side of the road, they addressed Jesus as rabbi and said, where are you staying? <laughs> because you see, in, in their mindset and their culture and their experience, that kind of question represented what they really wanted from Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want? And they, in essence, were saying, we want to know you. <laughs> they already had this clear sense about uh, this Jesus guy as he was coming on the scene, that his presence, the presence of Jesus changes everything. See, think about this. I believe it's, it's not because in the midst of the conversation, it's not because they couldn't think of an answer, what do you want? They had desires and longings and everyday problems that they would have loved to have had fixed. No doubt, they were human people. Yet what they recognized was even greater than the answer to any particular problem was the presence of Jesus and the power of his transformation in their lives. What they were seeking was his presence. 
So their response to Jesus is actually a very bold question that they are asking back to Jesus. Can we be with you? Could this go beyond a conversation? Could we possibly have access to you? Could we dare to hope that we could dwell together? See, they were seeking the presence of Jesus. Beyond just a a fleeting moment, they wanted more. They wanted more than just a conversation on the side of the road. In the King James Version, the question reads like this. Where dwellest thou? That's a great phrasing. Where dwellest thou? The next time you need to ask someone for their address, give that a try. Where dwellest thou? Right? That doesn't really roll off the tongue. That's not how we would phrase the question today. But I love that word dwell. They wanted to dwell with Jesus. To dwell with God. Hey, I I believe that's why we're here. Whether you're in the room or or online, that's at the core of of what we're longing for. It's, It's why we pray. It's the assurance that we seek from God. We want his presence. We want to dwell with God. That word dwell shows up in the Psalms quite a bit. The psalmist articulates this longing, the end of Psalm uh, 23, that beloved prayer that we know well. It ends this way. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in Psalm 27, verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. See, I, I believe that there's actually a beautiful connection for us when we look at this encounter with Jesus in this conversation on the side of the road. What do you want? Where are you staying? See, Jesus invites us to bring our prayers, our longings, our desires to him. But to not just stop there. To not simply operate as if we're dropping off a wish list at the feet of God. See, this is a much deeper invitation. It's an invitation to dwell with God and discover that it is his presence in our lives and in the middle of our greatest needs that can change everything. My own life. You know, I think about most seasons of my life and in one way or another, I feel like there's, there's a big question mark hanging there, a specific question that I'm seeking the answer to. So often when I think about uh, seasons of my life and God asking me that question, what do you want? Very often my answer is, I want you to answer this question for me. (laughs) This is where I, I need wisdom in my life or where I'm trying to figure things out. God, that's what I want from you is I want some clarity about this question Early uh, in my life, God, are you calling me to ministry? 
God, what college should I attend? God, should I marry this Dan Taylor guy? Sure, I'm glad that God said yes. God, where are you calling us to serve in ministry? God, how will this adoption journey unfold? God, how do we navigate these parenting challenges with these wonderful children? God, what sermon series should I preach next? (laughs) Big or small? I've always been the kind of person that's wrestling through questions. I always have been, and I'm, and I'm seeking the Lord's wisdom. And the truth is, time and time again, I go into the presence of God, and, I, and I'm expecting him to answer my question. And if I'm honest, I am often impatient and disappointed that there is no burning bush. Haven't gotten one yet. If you've gotten one, let me know. I want to hear your story. But you know what I've discovered in my journey with Jesus and the questions that I find myself asking, that there is power in dwelling with Jesus in the questions. There's a lot of power there. Something happens inside of me when I bring the questions to Jesus because his presence is powerful. And the truth is I I usually don't receive some instantaneous answer like I'm longing to have, but I do find his presence, and his presence changes me. I wrote this down as I was reflecting on this this week. The the surprising truth is this. His presence with me in the middle of unanswered questions has done more to shape my life than the answer itself. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. His presence with me in the middle of the unanswered questions has done more to shape my life than the answer itself. And I get emotional about that because I've I've seen and experienced his goodness there. I know you've been there too. The times when we find ourselves going to God and saying, okay, I really need an answer here, God. I really need some direction here, Lord. But his timeline and my timeline are rarely the same thing. (laughs) Has anyone else noticed that? But in the process, as I go to him with the questions that I'm asking, that journey of discovery, it shapes me, and it changes my relationship with the Lord. See, I'm I'm dwelling with him there. This week, a friend of mine wrote to me about this very dynamic, saying, uh, saying that, you know, while we expect for an encounter with Jesus to be some monumental event in our lives, the truth is we discover that it's that process of seeking his presence that is the encounter with Jesus himself. So well said. So that means, my friend, in your own life and in your own story, you may find that that the answer that you have to Jesus' question, what do you want, is something that is unfulfilled right now in your life. And especially if that's true, 
I want to remind you today to dwell with Jesus in that space. To discover that that you are not alone. And, And I know sometimes in our journeys, it is so hard to understand why God doesn't intervene. Yet what we know as we study the life and ministry of Jesus, what we know to be true about who Jesus is, is that he moves towards us in the tension, in the hard, in the struggle, in the suffering. He is close to us in those moments. As we read this text today, let's look one more um, verse ahead. Do you know how Jesus responded to that question, where are you staying? Verse 39, come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. (laughs) Jesus' answer was, come and see. You know, Jewish rabbis had a way of using that phrase in their teaching. They would say, Do you want to know this answer to the question? Do you want to know the solution to the problem? Come and see, and we'll think about it together. So when Jesus said, come and see, he was inviting them not only to come and talk, but to find the things that he alone could open to them. Today, in your own life, want to invite you to think about that question. I believe it's a question that Jesus has for you today. What do you want? Imagine Jesus looking into your eyes and asking you that question. Maybe the answer feels a little complicated today. Maybe it feels complicated because we don't expect God to ask us that question. Somehow, maybe another narrative has crept in that that we expect that when we are going to be present with God, that we need to show up with our best selves, with our praise and our worship and our gratitude and perhaps a carefully cultivated prayer list, and it catches us off guard to imagine the way that God cares about our deepest longings and desires. How often do we show up in the presence of Jesus, placing upon ourselves a whole bunch of expectations about how we should feel and act and pray? But I wonder, my friends, how would things change if we accepted the invitation of Jesus to enter his presence just as we are, fully present with him, not filtering things or masking things or holding I want to encourage you to take some time with that question. To take some time today and later today and in the days to come to pray about that, to have some conversations with Jesus. And to not only answer about this invitation as this encounter with Jesus unfolded in the scripture, the invitation to dwell with Jesus. Jesus longs to be with you. 
especially in the spaces that are tender in your life. What do you want? Oh, Lord, there is so much that we want. So let us dwell together in that space. Today, we're going to take some time to come to the table together to encounter this Jesus who invites us to his table, who invites us to know the way that that he wants to be known by us. And so today, as, as you take communion, may it be a reminder to you of his presence with you, of the way that he longs to dwell with you and invites you to answer that question, what do you want? The scripture tells us the story of when Jesus gathered in an upper room with his disciples. And the scripture says that after supper, he took the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. In just a moment, our worship team is going to come and and lead us in worship while we receive the, the elements. And I want to encourage you to take these moments to be present with Jesus, to think and to pray and to reflect Our servers will be passing the elements on trays, and you'll see that there's a double cup stacked together. Be sure to pick up both of those cups, and in the lower cup, you'll find a small piece of bread, and the upper cup has the juice. If you would, hold those elements, and we will all partake together in just a moment. And we want you to know that we practice open communion here, which means that all who choose to follow Jesus are welcome to the table. He invites you today. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts. Oh, our gracious God, we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, knowing that you are here and present with us. So God, I I pray for each of us today. Lord, thank you for the way that you see our hearts. God, I pray that now as we worship, as we take communion, that today would be an encounter with you, that we would feel your love and and perhaps a, a whisper in our heart and soul of reassurance. Lord, I pray, um, God, that today would be a day that we would have the courage to fully open our hearts to you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the way that you love us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Servers, would you come?